Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Good to be here, and I'm ready to dive in. I hope you guys are ready. Go with me to the book of Luke, and we're going to be reading from the 15th chapter. And I'll just say as you're turning there, Luke chapter 15, um, it's going to be an incredible Sunday next Sunday. Y'all looking forward to Christmas at Lighthouse next Sunday? Do me a favor, Lighthouse Church. Do not come alone. Do your best to invite someone. This, this is the time of year, and these are the types of services where you bring your aunts, you bring your uncles, you bring your grandparents, you've still got them with you, and uh, we, we're going to have a great time. We are going to, in addition to an incredible worship service with our kids involved in the program, we got Santa and Mrs. Claus joining us as well. We've got food after the service. We've got coffee drinks after the service. It's just going to be a really good time, and uh, so it's just one of those Sundays that I highly encourage you. Um, think about who you can invite, pray for that person, and then make the invitation. Does that sound good, everybody? All right, let's go. Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 24, it reads as follows. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven And against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I have entitled, The hope of Christmas. The hope of Christmas. Would you join me in prayer one last time? Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for all the incredible things that you are doing. And now, Lord God, as we turn our attention to your word, I pray that you speak to us. As I speak to this audience, would you speak to every individual? Father, you see them. You know what they need, and you know the word, Lord God, that is going to impact their life. Would you do it today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and you may be seated. Let's talk about the hope of Christmas. Have you ever bought something that you later regretted? Everybody ever been there before? Not too long ago. Actually, it was a long time ago. In 2011, I, I, was buy, I had to buy myself a new car because I was driving this SUV and I was paying so much in gas. And I decided to go economical. So I bought myself a little hatchback. Come on, it was a Ford Fiesta. Every time you went in my car, it was a party. And uh, so I bought that car in 2011, and at the same time, a friend of mine bought himself a BMW 745 series, okay? That's an expensive vehicle. I spent in the ballpark of 13000 He spent about 80000 on his vehicle. And in that year, he took his car to the shop, and then he took it back, and then he took it back, and then he took it back. And because of my friend, I asked him, I said, hey, man, listen, listen, you bought an $80,000 car. What's the deal, man? I bought a $13,000 car. Never been to the shop once. What's going on? And one time, finally, after he had had enough, he said, you know, I have a claim open. Man, this thing is a lemon, and I'm taking it back to get a new vehicle. So you guys know what I'm talking about. You bought something, and it didn't quite work out. 
It's it's one thing when you buy something. It's another thing when it's a life decision and it doesn't quite work out, right? When when it's a little more serious than, than a possession, but it's a decision you made about your life and it doesn't quite work out. Well, today that's what we're going to be talking about as we continue our series Home Alone. And I want to talk to you about what happens when you get everything you wanted and it doesn't work out. You get the thing that you were hoping for, but yet when it's all said and done, you're still feeling empty. So in our text today, we are reading about the prodigal son. Hand up if you know the story of the prodigal son. If you don't know it, I'm going to walk you through the story. But a lot of you that, are, um, that have any experience in church, you've heard this story before. And so what we're going to do today, like we did last week, is I'm going to teach from the story of the prodigal son. But we're also going to use the movie Home Alone Part 2 to help us preach this message. Sound good, everybody? All right, so let's cue up our first movie scene. Let's turn it over to Kevin a year later. To go with Ding. Behind Ding is 200 points. All right. Good for you. That now takes you to 4,700 points. 200 points. All right. Honey, are you packed yet? Yes. Yes. Everything I put out for you? Yes. Yes. Oh, did you see what Grandma Penelope sent you for the trip? Uh, let me guess. Donald Duck slippers? Uh-huh. Close. An inflatable clown to play with in the pool. How exciting. Why do we have to go to Florida? There's no Christmas trees in Florida. Kevin, what is it with you and Christmas trees? How could you have Christmas without a Christmas tree, Mom? Well, find a nice fake silver one. Or decorate a palm tree. <laughs> You get a talk boy for Christmas or ever have a talk boy? I'm talking to the old people in the room. You young people don't, don't, don't. You don't know nothing about this, okay? My cousin Victor got a talk boy. I was so envious. He got a talk boy shortly after this movie. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's, let's dive into the story here. So in this opening scene, Kevin is once again having conflict with his family. They're going to go to Florida where they're going to experience Christmas with palm trees and warm weather. And um, he wants to stay back or go somewhere where he could have a traditional Christmas. And he kept saying, I want to have a Christmas tree. And, and that's so indicative of life because we don't always agree with what we want to do with our parents, do we? All the students in the room, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, they want one thing, I want another. Well, let me tell you, students, your parents were your age too once upon a time. And so they walked through it just like you might be walking through it. And in that conflict, um, what we see in that conflict is just the son's desire to do something that his parents don't want to do. In the story of the prodigal son, we see this as well. If we go to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 and 12, we read this. Jesus is telling a story, and he continues. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. What this verse is telling us is that a father was prepared to leave his two sons with an inheritance. But the younger son didn't want to wait until his father died. He wanted his inheritance now. And, and what that means, when you, de- when you peel back the text just a little bit and look deeper into the story, what the son was saying is, I'm prepared to leave your house and to never see you again because the only way that I can get what's coming to me is if I separate from you. Could you imagine the heartbreak that the father was dealing with when the son so wanted to do things his way that he made the decision that, Father, I'm going to take my money and you're going to be just as good as dead to me. 
I want to go and do it my way. I, I want something different. And so that's exactly what he does. And the father loves him so much that he agreed to do it. That's crazy because I wouldn't agree to do it. But this father loved his son so much, he went ahead and allowed the son to take his inheritance and to leave. Well, how do you think that went for him? Well, I think this clip, next clip in our movie, I think it went a little something like this. Yes, sir. What city is that over there? That's New York, sir. Yikes, I did it again. Something wrong, sir? our story so far looks like everything's going good for Kevin, right? He's getting the Christmas that he wanted. He's not in Florida. He is in New York. And it's very reminiscent of what happened with the prodigal son. In 1513, it says, not long after that, that being when he had received his share of the inheritance, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off to a distant country. And there, he squandered his wealth in wild living. So the son is very much enjoying his father's inheritance. He's living the life that he's always wanted to live and that his father told him that this isn't the right decision for you. And, and the Bible gives us a description as to the type of life that he's living. 
The Bible calls it wild. And, and what, what does that mean? Well, it was wild. I'll let your imagination tell you what you think it was. But he was doing whatever he wanted. He's out of his father's house. He's doing it his way, and he is having a really good time, or so he thought. Because the Bible tells us eventually what happened was he squanders all of his money. I like that word squander. You know what I mean? It's not like he just wasted it or ran out of money. But the writer says he squandered his money. He was reckless with his money. He was careless with his money. And all good things, as you know, under these circumstances are going to come to an end. So one more time, I'm going to toss it back to Kevin in New York so we can see how he's doing and how his luck is playing out with his father's resources. Morning, Mr. McAllister. Morning. It's beginning to look a lot like this. Mr. McAllister, here's your very own cheese pizza. Take a look at five and ten, listening once again, with candy canes and silver lanes aglow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be Hello? on your own. Hello? You only good toy stores? Yes, sir. Okay, so Kevin is experiencing the exact same thing that the prodigal son is experiencing. He's out of resources. He's completely out of his father's money. In Luke 14, in chapter 15, verses 14 through 16, this is how it describes his scenario. After the son had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So the prodigal son, the story tells us that the son is out of money and he's completely out of options. And this son who was handed a portion of his father's estate now has to settle for feeding pigs. And I, I don't want you to think of this as some, some tough, you know, Texan ranch hand. That, that wasn't it. Um, there was nothing glamorous about his job. And this job obviously didn't pay well because the Bible goes on to describe that he was actually jealous of how good the pigs eat, were eating because he didn't even eat like this. The son ran out of money and he was jealous that they were eating three times a day and he didn't get to eat three times a day. Now this story of the prodigal son is not just about someone who's far from God, but listen to me Lighthouse Church, there's a prodigal in all of us. There's a prodigal in all of us. What is the prodigal son or who is the prodigal son or what does the prodigal son represent? Well if you're taking notes, write this down. The prodigal son represents my desire 
to do things my way. The prodigal son represents my desire to do things my way. I'm not talking about the good decisions we make. I'm talking about the decisions that we make that go against the word of God. The decisions that we make that we should not be making because they go directly against the word that God has for us. And if we're being honest with ourselves this morning, we all have a little bit of prodigal in us because we've all made decisions that go against God's word. And listen to me. I'm not here to guilt you. That just makes you human. We all have the human nature, which is a sinful nature. We have a bend to do the things that go against God's word. We have a bend to go and do the things that go contrary to what God would want for us. Isaiah 53, 6 says it this way. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Some of us have maybe gotten further from God than others of us have, but make no mistake, every single one of us in this room has at some point or another made a decision to do it our way, thinking that our way was better than God's way. Now, now in the story here, uh, Kevin, once he began doing it his way, and, and, and he leaves like the prodigal leaves, and like the prodigal left, here's what happened. Eventually, he leaves the grace of God. Can you all say grace? See, here's what I know about God and the grace of God is that even when we want to do it apart from him, even when we try to do it our way and not God's way, I believe that God loves us so much that his grace is going to go with us for a while. I believe he's going to send people to come and try to course correct you. He's going to try to, he's going to use people that come and tell you, hey, we should go in this direction. Maybe we should not go here. His grace will go with us. But I believe his grace can run out. In the sense that when you don't want God and when you keep telling him no and when you keep saying that I have a desire to do it my way, eventually he's going to pull back his hand of grace. He said, I'm going to let you do it your way. You, you, you don't want me. I'm not going to keep imposing myself on, ye, on you. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you do it your way. And, and that's a tough place to be. That's a hard place to be if we ever get to this place where the grace of God or we feel like God's grace has run out on us. So let's continue the story of the prodigal son in verses 17 through 19 of Luke 15. It says this, when the son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm going to go, I'm, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So that day, the son who dishonored his father, he remembered how good it was in the house of his father. He, he's, the Bible says he's coming to his senses, and, and I like that. I like that choice of words because so many of us have thought we could do it better apart from God, and then we came to the realization that I had it, I had it good the entire time. It was actually better when I was doing it his way. So much so, he realized, I, I'm better being a slave in my father's house than being a son in the street. I'm better being a slave in my father's house than I am being a son in the street. So the Bible says that the son decided, I'm going to make my way back to the father. I'm going I'm to make my way back to the father. 
Now, now that's technically what he did, but can I tell you the larger story of the gospel lighthouse church? Can I, can I teach you a little bit about really what the gospel looks like? The gospel is not the son making his way back to the father. The only reason the son could make his way back to the father is because Jesus made a way back to the father. You see, you've got to understand that the prodigal son leaves the covering of his father, but the obedient son, and who is the obedient son? Jesus, he was obedient even into death. The obedient son makes a way back to the father. You got to get this lighthouse church because apart from Jesus, there is no way back to the father. Apart from Jesus, I'll never be good enough to go back to my father's house. But the obedient son, he comes into his into this earth, which is why we're celebrating Christmas anyway. That's a that's the whole reason for this season. The obedient son comes and he makes a way back to the father. How many of y'all excited? How many of you glad? How many are you grateful that Jesus has made a way back to the Father? You see, without Jesus, there is no way back to the Father. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so the hope of Christmas is that Jesus has made a way back to the Father. Come on, the hope of Christmas is that we have a way back to the house of our Father. And I want to turn it one more time back to our movie and back to the story. And, and then we'll wrap this up. But, but you need to know this, Lighthouse Church. You need to get this. Jesus is the door to the Father. He said, anyone that wants to go to the Father must come through me. And we thank God for Jesus and we gather and we celebrate his birth. Why? Because his birth brings us back to the Father. Can we clap our hands and give a good amen? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way back to the father. Now, now let me throw it back to home alone then we'll go back to the prodigal son. Oh, excuse me. I'm looking for my son. He's this boy right here. Excuse me. Please help me. This boy right here. Have you seen him? This one is. Please. for my son. Have you seen my son? He's there. He's been missing for two days. Well, have you filed a report, ma'am? Yes, of course we have. Then trust us. We'll handle it. Oh. But I'm his mother. I realize that, ma'am, but you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Do you have kids? Yes, ma'am. And what would you do if one of them was missing? I'd probably be doing the same thing you're doing. Thank you. Look, put yourself in your kid's shoes. Where would you go? What would you do? Me? I'd probably be lying dead in a gutter somewhere. Oh, but not Kevin. No, Kevin is so much stronger and braver than I am. No, I know Kevin's fine. I'm sure he is. But he's still all by himself in a big city. And he doesn't deserve that. He deserves to be at home with his own family around this Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, dear God. I know where he is. I need to get to Rockefeller Center. 
Promise me I can see her again. Sometime, anytime. Even if it's just once and only for a couple of minutes. I just need to tell her I'm sorry. I just love how Kevin's mom is running to him in the clip. Well, in the same way, we actually see the father running to the son. Let me read it to you one more time, verse 20. But while the son was still a long way off. Can you guys say a long way off? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him, and maybe someone here today feels like you're a long way off, and you feel unseen, and you feel unknown. Can I, can I just tell you from the text today that no matter how far you feel from God, he sees you. No matter how far you feel from God, he knows where you're at. Can I tell you that he sees exactly how you're feeling? He knows exactly what's going on in your life. And you may feel unseen by others, but let me tell you, your heavenly father sees you. He knows you and he loves you. And that's the beautiful thing about the hope of Christmas that we have is that our father sees us. And many of us feel like the distance between us and God that he can't see us through that distance, that, that we're just too far from him. No lighthouse church, the text says that the father saw him even when he was a far way off. And then it goes on to say that not only did he see him, but when he saw him, he had compassion. Can you all say compassion? You see, some of you think because I'm so far gone, when he does see me, he's going to have condemnation. When he does see me, he's going to have judgment. When he does see me, he's going to have shame. Lighthouse Church, that is not the gospel. The good news of the gospel is, is that when he sees you, even when you're far from him, he loves you just as you are. He loves you when you're far from him. He loves you in spite of your bad decisions. He loves you in spite of the bad choices that you've made in life. And he loves you so much that he wants to run to you. And, and I love this. He doesn't want you to stay the way you are, but he loves you so much that he wants you to change and become the person that God has always intended for you to be. That's the love of our Heavenly Father. 
That's the love of our heavenly Father. He sees you. He loves you. And he has compassion. And I love this because the Bible says after he had that compassion, he runs towards his son. Maybe you've never felt somebody running after you before, but the heaven, your heavenly Father, he runs towards you. Can I just tell you that the mess you made doesn't cause him to run away from you? Can I tell you that the mess you're in, does he's not afraid of it? Can I tell you that the decisions that you've made doesn't scare God away? No, absolutely not, Lighthouse Church. Instead, he runs towards you. He, he, he runs to where you are. It wasn't too long ago where my son had an accident. It was actually here at the church. Uh, because he's a pastor's kid, and that's where all pastor's kids have their accidents. Here at the church, I'm kidding. But but my my, my son, he like he initially come came running towards me, and he's got blood dripping down his hand, and he's wailing. And 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 what is what was my response? Well, like a father, I ran towards my son, and I immediately covered his wound, and I said, "We got to run home." And I ran home where I could actually get some decent, you know, some 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 some, some decent ointments and really take care of that. And in the same way, I think that's how our Father sees us. You see, when He sees you wounded, and some of you feel wounded right now. When He sees you hurting, and some of you feel hurting right now. When you feel lonely, and some of you are lonely right now, He runs towards you. You've got to get this. He runs towards you. What do we learn in this story? Well, number one, the prodigal wants to go and do it his way. Number two, Jesus makes a way back to the Father. And here's the last thing. The loving Father runs towards us. The loving father, he runs towards us. We've all been that prodigal at some point in our lives. And maybe some of you right now, that whole story resonates with you because you're disappointed by the decisions you've made. And you're living with the consequences of the decisions you've made. And you're just looking for something better. And and just like the son found compassion in the father, let me tell you, you're going to find compassion in Jesus. You're going to find compassion in Christ. You're not going to find guilt. You're not going to find condemnation. You're not going to find shame. He wants to love you back to life. I'll say that one more time. He wants to love you back to life. He he wants to love you to the point that he takes care of the wounds and the pain and the hurt that life has brought on you. If you want this, let me pray for you right now. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And, and And if you're needing that embrace of a heavenly father, would you just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now? Come on, just just allow the Spirit of God to minister to you. In a minute, I'm going to pray for you. But I want the Holy Spirit to do it work right now. Come on, just let him in. Let, let the Holy Spirit bandage up some of these wounds that nobody knows about. Let the Holy Spirit begin to deal with some of these emotional wounds that nobody is aware of. Let the Holy Spirit begin to deal with the hurt of yesterday, the pain of your past. Let him do it now. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person that is here. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.